Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just the surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder law and estate planning attorney Kevin Tharp and financial advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. Lost a loved one? I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. One of the things that we find very commonly happens in our lives is incapacity. It doesn't happen to all of us, though. There is uh, a high percentage that the longer we live, the more likely things like incapacity are going to happen in our lives. We're going to experience or with our family members, our spouse or loved one, even with ourselves, maybe uh, some different form of dementia or gradual dementia. Um, the odds are very high, but they're not 100 percent. But one thing that I have uh, seen in my industry and in my life is there's one thing that's going to happen to all of us. Guaranteed, we're all going to die. So at some point, we're going to lose a loved one. It might be a spouse. It might be a parent. It might be a grandparent or, God forbid, a child. And the purpose of the show is not to be morbid or not to be down, but it's to deal with the reality and deal with the legal realities of what happens when we lose a loved one. And we're going to talk about some things that, as a listener, you can do to prepare for when that happens in your life. Or you can encourage your loved ones to make sure those plans and they're prepared for what happens when that happens. Because it's going to happen to all of us, and it ha sometimes it happens and it's expected. We lose a loved one. I know when my dad passed away, uh, it was expected. It's still hard, but it was expected because he went through this long illness. Same thing with my mother. But he had 88 years of life. And so even though it was expected, uh, we were prepared. He was prepared for it uh, from a legal standpoint. He was prepared for it uh, from a spiritual standpoint as well because he got that relationship with Jesus Christ settled a number of years ago when he was a teenager. But sometimes it's unexpected. We think about our uh, office mate and uh, paralegal, mm -hmm. uh, Stephanie Dixon, that passed away at a very unexpected time in a very unexpected manner and at a very early age. And we're still dealing with that mm -hmm. at the office. We're still, uh, that's a huge void that she left, not only as an employee, but just as a person in so many different ways. Um, and so how do you prepare for that? And what are steps you can take when you lose a loved one? Well, the first thing, the way I'm going to approach it is what you can do before you are that person, that lost loved one. What can you do to prepare for the one thing that's going to happen? In fact, when I start out every conversation with my clients, uh, many of them listeners from this radio show, and they will call in and say, I want to talk to you about estate planning, or I want to talk to you about uh, this subject, uh, here's the question that we start out with, because I found it to be the universal question. What's going to happen to my assets when I die? Because built into that question are many universal things that we have to deal with, and one of them is, I've never met a person in my life that doesn't own assets. I know a lot of times in conversations with all kinds of different people at all different walks of life in my career, inevitably one of the most common topics that come up is when we talk about estate planning, it's, well, I don't have a lot. 
we don't have a lot of assets, but, and they start listing a handful of assets. We have a home, we have a retirement account. Piece of property. Piece of property, got a couple life insurance policies, have a car, uh, have a bank account, don't have much money in it. Everybody owns an asset. Now, some are worth more than others. Some have a lot of money in their bank account. Some don't. Value is not relevant to the answer to the question, what's going to happen to my assets when I die? Because there is one of two things that are going to happen to your assets when you die. And the process in one situation is the same regardless of the value. So what happens to my assets when I die? You're going to know the answer to that question when you have a complete estate plan. And a complete estate plan isn't just Kevin Tharp's term or phrase. It is an actual legal phrase that will determine exactly what you're going to know, exactly what's going to happen when you have a complete estate plan. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning attorney and elder law attorney, is talking today about what happens when somebody dies? What What's going to happen to your stuff? And the best way to answer that is, if you listen today, best way to answer it is to address it. Make sure you're addressing those things, Kevin. And um, I think uh, that that's kind of a pretty good lead-in for today's show. Yeah, and absolutely, you know how to, here's how you address it. There are two steps to having a complete estate plan. Number one, put your wishes Because I've never met a person in my life that not only doesn't own an asset, but doesn't have wishes about what they want to happen to those assets. And I've never met a person in my life that isn't going to die. So that question applies to all of us, regardless of how much we have or how much we have is worth. It's worth. Complete estate plan, step one, is put your wishes in a legal document. And unfortunately, There's this false sense of security out there that people think they have completed their estate plan because they have a document, and specifically because they have a will document. But a will is like you've heard me say this before. It is like building a car and never putting the engine in it. You do not have a complete car, a complete automobile. It may look good. It may look exactly like you specifications when you told the car builder, this is exactly what I've been looking for. But if it does not have an engine, it will not work. It's not a complete car. Well, a will is not a complete estate plan. Why? Because there is a second essential step. And that second essential step to a complete estate plan is title your assets in coordination with that document and you cannot do that with a will so when you lose a loved one the answer is not oh well we know what's going to happen because they have a will because if the answer is they have a will and they don't have they can't title things in coordination with their will then the answer is really going to be there's additional steps you're going to have to take So document alone is not the answer. And it doesn't matter whether that will has a self-proving affidavit or doesn't have a self-proving affidavit. You will go through probate when you die with an incomplete estate plan. And by legal definition, a will is an incomplete plan because it's missing title. 
And so that's why we recommend to our clients, use a trust as your legal document. Put what your wishes are, what you want to happen to your assets when you die, and put that in a legal document called a trust. Because you can then complete step number two, you can title your assets in coordination with that trust, and now with that trust, you have a complete estate plan. And if it's a revocable trust, you don't give up any ownership. You don't give up any control. It doesn't change anything for you. You have plans in place, so if you become incapacitated, you've named others to step in and manage that trust and the assets you've titled in the name of that trust for your benefit. And when you die, because things are titled in a trust, nobody has to go through the extra steps called probate. And Gary, I will tell you this about probate. They just passed a law that took effect on July 1st and added two more steps to the probate process. And each one of those steps in the probate process has a filing fee. So it's going to cost you more in time and money to go through the probate process. And you can avoid it by having a complete estate plan. And by definition, a revocable trust is a complete estate plan because it puts your wishes in a document and you title your assets in coordination with that. Kevin, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, tell them how to do it. Gary, the best way is through my website, kevintharp.com. Retirement mistakes can happen. That's coming up next. You're listening to Truth and Planning on North Georgia's News Talk AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Retirement mistakes and how to address them. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. <laughs> Kevin, mistakes happen. They happen in every phase of our lives and everything that we do. There's always going to be mistakes. And learning how to address those mistakes and learning how to get through them is a big part of life. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I made a mistake one time in my life. I thought I was thought wrong you, and I turned out to be yeah, right. Thought you made a mistake. Yeah, you it yeah. turned out to be right. Yeah, well, I mean, that we expect that from you though. That's mm-hmm. that's that's a standard. But I'm humble enough to admit that exactly. I made a mistake. And that's what we like about you. <laughs> Kevin, mistakes can happen all through our lives like I said, but happening as you get close to the retirement years when it deals with your retirement, mistakes that you can make during and pre- and go, leading up to your retirement can be a big issue. It can be something that's going to affect the way you exist financially from this point forward. All through retirement, any mistake that you make is really amplified because you don't have as much time to recover from those mistakes. But you can take heart most of the time, even though you've made a mistake with your retirement, with your retirement planning, maybe leaving things out, there's a good chance that it can be fixed as long as you address it early on. And that's what I want to go through today is some retirement mistakes that I've seen people do over the years, and it's really obvious, and it's understandable. A lot of it is because of the enormous amount of information that people have and put, can put their fingers on it at any point in time, and so much of that information being not right, some of that, that information being partially right or just enough to make a mistake when you actually follow it. 
So what we want to talk about today is the mistakes that you can make and what you can do about them, why they occur, and then how to prevent them, too. One of the biggest retirement mistakes that I see people making is management, managing retirement investments. Um, your, your, your overall retirement plan comes in two phases, really, the accumulation years and the distribution years. The accumulation years are a lot of you listeners right now are in that stage. A majority of the people out there listening right now are still in the accumulation stage of their lives, of their financial lives. That accumulation stage is really addressed more by the 401k that you have out there than anything else because you're addressing something that's going to happen in the future with that, and that 401k becomes very, very important. It's not uncommon now to see a lot of people who have nothing but 401ks for retirement savings, and they can have substantial amounts of money in these things. It's not uncommon to see people with millions of dollars in their 401ks, Kevin. They've done a good, a good job of contributing. They've done a good job of investing over the years. Both spouses could have done the same thing as far as their retirement plans go. And so they've accumulated all this money, which is fantastic, because this will help you be able to plan for the retirement that you want the comfortable retirement you want, the things you want to do, your lifestyle that you have, continuing your lifestyle the way you have it now and enhancing it even during retirement. So mistakes become more critical, and we want to make sure with our retirement investments, you're doing the right thing. Losses leading right up to the years of your retirement, when you're starting retirement, losses then can have much more of a negative impact on you than losses did way back. That's why you're investing two different ways during your working years and then during your retirement years. Two different ways. Accumulation, distribution phase. You have to address your financial plan differently. You have to address your investments differently as you approach and as you're in retirement. Because one thing that we want to make sure that people do when we talk about these mistakes is making sure that you don't make hasty decisions with your investments, with your retirement investments. Sometimes you realize, well, you know, we've taken some pretty good hits in the market, and so you overreact. You start investing too aggressively to make up for that. You make a decision to do that, which will, could very well have a lasting effect on how things will go for you later in retirement. And so a lot of times people turn to more risky investments, even though they're reaching a time when they're going to need this money, and you're subjecting yourselves to even more losses when markets go down, and that can very easily affect your retirement income later down the line. So and when you try to recover, there's a right way and a wrong way to recover, but the wrong way to recover is trying to get too aggressive and too risky to make up for some market losses that happened a few years ago or two or three years ago as you were approaching your retirement. That's not recommended. There are ways to do this, and there are ways to invest to address this, but not by being too risky. We're talking about retirement mistakes and how to avoid them today on Truth and Planning. 
I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney, and I'm with my co-host, Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor of Anderson Advisors. And Gary, that can oftentimes be a very common mistake. It's kind of like we're late. We wake up late, so we're trying to get to our appointment or get to work on time. So what do we do? We increase our speed right. and try to get there sooner. <clears throat> And oftentimes bad things can happen. Very good analogy right there, Kevin. You are taking more risk to get to wherever it is you're going. In a hurry. Mm -hmm. And then you make more mistakes. These mistakes compound themselves because now you have a speeding ticket or you're in an accident that you probably could have avoided. Well, as far as trying to recover, let's say you did make a mistake with your retirement plan, with your investment plan leading up to retirement, and that can affect your income. And maybe it's a mistake that you might not be able to recover from immediately. But if you're not retired, or maybe you're even in in retirement, there are things you can do. And sometimes people don't even want to talk about this. Um, One thing you can do is delay that retirement that you were talking about. I had a client a couple of weeks ago told me this. He had planned on retiring at age 59 and a half, And he realized because of circumstances, the economy, inflation, things like that, that he might not be too comfortable going into retirement now. It's addressed as part of his overall plan, but he wants to make sure that it's going to help him down the line. So he's delaying that that retiring at age 59 and a half to another point down the line. Well, he has a plan. He has a retirement plan. All those things are addressed. If you retire at 59 and a half, this is what you can expect. If you wait till 62 or 64 or 70, this is what you can expect. The nice thing about delaying retirement to help yourself recover some possible investment mistakes, the nice thing about it is you can extend your working years a little bit longer. And so by doing that, you're going to have less years in retirement and you'll also, though, be able to save more money during that time span. And even Social Security is affected that way as well. If you haven't started taking Social Security yet, delaying that a little bit further. That increases the Social Security income you'll get when you do start getting it, and it will give you some advantages as far as your overall retirement income goes. So there are ways to recover from that. And then sometimes people work part-time during their retirement, just part-time. Talked to somebody yesterday at Home Depot. That's exactly what he's done. Really, the reason he's done it, this particular person, is that he just wanted something to do. His wife kind of wanted him to get out of the house, I think, and that's kind of what he said. But uh, he said that, you know, he likes people. He loves being around people, so he still works, even though he doesn't even need that income. Sometimes you need the income. So find yourself something to do, a part-time job, that will give you some satisfaction there to be able to enjoy that, but also know that you're helping your retirement now and then down the line somewhere. Gary, I know our listeners don't want to make these mistakes. They don't want to step into these retirement mistakes. So a good step, I think, to take is to reach out to your office. Well, Kevin, that's one thing we want to talk about later is preventing some of these mistakes. They can call us at 888-371-2847, Anderson Advisors. In the next segment, we're going to talk about more about What happens when you lose a loved one? You're listening to Truth and Planning on North Georgia's News Talk AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN.
Lost a loved one? I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, in the previous segment, we talked about some things that you can prepare for the one thing that's going to happen to all of us. And that's why when I talk with my clients or prospective clients about estate planning, I boil it down to the realistic question of what's going to happen to my assets when I die. And that is a very realistic question because every part of that question applies to every one of us, regardless of our situation. And I know a lot of times when we talk about it, the topic of estate planning comes up, there's a couple of uh typical responses that one gets, and one of them is, well, I don't have much to do with estate planning. Well, estate planning has nothing to do with how much you have. Estate planning has to do with what's going to happen to what you have when you die. And that universal, that's one universal thing that's going to happen to all of us. Unless we're one of the ones that are left behind, or here when the Lord comes back, we're going to die. And something's going to happen to our assets when we die. I heard another uh, estate planning attorney not long ago said, you need to be prepared that one day somebody else is going to own your stuff. Mm, good, good way to put it. Yeah, because one day you're going to pass away and somebody else is going to move into your house. <laughs> and somebody's going to uh, drive your car. Okay? And so your stuff is going to be owned by somebody else. Why? Because one day you're going to die owning these assets. And what happens to your assets when you die is determined by having a complete estate plan. <clears throat> so if you're listening to me today, it's still not too late for you to prepare for if you're one of those lost loved ones in your family. If you have family members, a spouse or others that are still living today, there are steps you can take to encourage them, to help them and assist them to get a complete estate plan. And folks, don't be don't have this false sense of security that you have it taken care of because you have this document called a will, because a will is not a complete estate plan. And there are consequences for not having a complete estate plan. So what is a complete estate plan? A complete estate plan is putting your wishes in a legal document and then at the same time titling your assets in coordination with that document. And you cannot do that second step, title assets, in the name of a will. Because a will doesn't take effect until you die. So a will, by legal definition, by practical definition, by the re reality a will is an incomplete estate plan. So to prepare for things before you pass away, you need to have a complete estate plan. Put your wishes in a legal document that allows you to title things in the name of that legal document right now while you're living, and that's what a trust does. And if it's a revocable trust, you get to keep ownership while you're living. You have control over your assets while you're living. It doesn't change the type of assets that you own and therefore the protection that you have. Like if you go into a nursing home, your home is the type of asset that is protected and it doesn't change. So if you title your home in the name of a revocable trust, it doesn't change the fact that it's your home. So it's still protected and added benefit is you don't give up ownership. So there's no penalties like you would get if you put your home in an irrevocable trust. So a complete estate plan, both lifetime and at your death, 
is putting your wishes in a legal document called a trust and then titling your assets, making your trust the owner of your banking accounts in your home, making your revocable trust the beneficiary of your retirement account or your life insurance policy. And when you do those steps, you've titled things in coordination. You have, with your legal document, you have a complete estate plan, and therefore you're prepared, and you know what's going to happen when you lose a loved one. You know what's going to happen if you're that lost loved one, if you're that loved one that passes away. You make things easier on your family, your surviving spouse and your children. You know that your beneficiaries are going to be protected if you have a complete estate plan. So those are the benefits of having a complete estate plan. Now let's talk about what happens if you don't. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, and my co-host Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney, is talking today about dying. What happens, how you prepare for death. And Kevin, I know death, intellectually, we all know we're gonna die. Intellectually, we do. At any age, any time in our lives, we know that can happen. But at some point, we get over the emotional part of thinking that maybe we aren't going to die. Uh, you, and the younger you are, the more you kind of feel like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to die one day. But you don't really believe it a whole lot down there somewhere. And as we get older, sometimes you tend to want to carry that little emotional thing forward. But you do start to realize at some point, maybe because of an illness or a spouse's illness, wait a minute, this death is a real thing. What we want to do, though, is be prepared for that. Be prepared for that intellectually and emotionally to make sure that we're addressing what happens to your things after you die. And so we, we address that by talking about having a complete estate plan. You can prepare for that from a legal standpoint before that event happens. Well, what happens if you're the surviving loved one of a person who's passed away and they haven't taken steps to prepare? So what's going to happen next? Well, here's one thing that I can tell you with almost 100% certainty. If you don't have a complete estate plan, if your loved one did not have a complete estate plan when they die, probate is likely going to be involved in one way or another. And there's no degrees of probate. Oh, well, they didn't die with, they only died with $500 in their bank account, so probate's not a big deal, right? Doesn't matter. Probate is the same process, again, regardless of value. Many, many years ago, and I've stopped doing a lot of probate work now for a number of years, uh, very limited probate work. I do guardianships for incapacitated adults and, and uh, kids with special needs and things like that. But I'm doing very little, very little uh, death probate. My goal is in the next year or two, I'm not doing any death probate work. Nothing wrong with that line of legal work, but it's just, it's just not something that I want to be involved in because I advise and encourage and assist my clients to avoid that process. And quite frankly, I think it might be a little bit hypocritical of me to advise them to avoid that process and then turn around and take a fee for carrying them through that process. Mm. So I really encourage and advise my clients to get their wishes put in a legal document. That's why we like recommending a trust. And then I help my clients title their assets in the name of their trust so they can avoid probate because that's the key to that plan is wishes and title are coordinated together. If you're missing title, 
from your legal document. If your loved one has a will or dies without a will, either way, they're missing title. Therefore, you're going to have to go through probate. And here's what I can tell you about probate. It's more difficult, lengthy, complicated, and costly than it's ever been before. Traditionally, for many years, we've heard a lot of attorneys especially say, well, if you could pick or choose the state to die in, Georgia would be it because our probate's not very simple. It's very inexpensive. So walk over the state line and die. But yeah, but don't go up. Yeah, don't go in Florida because probate's <laughs> very bad in Florida. Well, here's the thing about probate, regardless of where it is. It's a government court process. And so there are some things that are built into that probate process that you have to go through or your loved ones have to go through in order to do what? Pass title. Because titles missing from your will, they have to go through probate to pass title on your assets. So ironically, title is the key to everything. It's the key to estate planning. Yet it is the number one thing that is overlooked in estate planning. Because most lawyers will tell you, just get a will. That will is missing title. You're going to go through probate. Mark it down. You're going to go through probate, which is maybe why a lot of lawyers recommend a will rather than a trust and tell you probate's no big deal because they're going to benefit in hopes that you go back and hire them to carry you through the probate process. So we tell people probate can be avoided. It avoids the time, expense, and cost, and we can help you do it. Kevin, how, how can you help? Reach out to us through our website, kevintharp.com. Mishandling Social Security retirement benefits. Coming up next. You're listening to Truth and Planning on North Georgia's News Talk AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Mishandling Social Security retirement benefits. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm elder law and estate planning attorney, Kevin Tharp. Kevin, one of the biggest mistakes people make with Social Security is taking the benefit too early. Well, what do you mean by that, Gary? I can start taking the benefit at 62. That's not early. They told me I could do it at 62. But a lot of people do this, and sometimes this is just a knee-jerk reaction. Social Security is available to me. I'm going to get it right now. That's what people say all the time. I'm going to get it now because I don't know if it's going to be around in the future. You don't need to be making that assumption. That should not be the reason you start taking Social Security early. That, it, that should be off the books. We feel like Social Security is going to be available for all of us, most probably all of us listening to this radio show. It, the changes may have to come with it, but count on Social Security. It's going to be there. The form or the fashion may change some, but it's going to be there. So don't take Social Security too early with that in mind. If you're 62 years old and older, you can start taking Social Security up until age 70 when you have to take it. They don't give you any choice there. From what I understand, that age might be extended at some point, possibly in the near future, up to 72, 74, 75, somewhere in there. The maximum Social Security age still would allow 62 for people who actually need to get it then. Some people, and I'm not talking to everybody here, some people need to start taking Social Security at age 62. That may be a, something that they have to do. They may do it because they're not well. 
they need that Social Security income to help take care of them uh, physically and possibly even cognitively. That may be a reason to take it. Sometimes you know you're not going to live very much longer. You know, some people actually have a good idea that they're not going to live maybe two, three, four more years, whatever that is, or there's a good chance they won't. Might be a good time to take it then, but every case needs to be considered on its own merits as far as when you retire goes. But just don't emotionally just go do it because you're probably going to make a mistake because you got to remember this. Yeah, you're getting at age 62. You're going to take it for longer, but what does that do? You just don't get as much. You're going to get the same amount over a given time, but you're taking it, spreading it out further when you start taking it younger at age 62. So that benefit, having less then, guarantees you're going to have less of a benefit all the way through your retirement. You will always have less Social Security than you would have had you chosen to wait until either full retirement age, which is 66, 65, 66, 67 for some people, or maximum retirement age, which is now still 70, 70 years old. So when you take it, really should rely more on how you plan your retirement. Again, if you're just doing a knee-jerk reaction and taking that money, starting the Social Security age 62 now, you haven't planned. I guarantee you, you have not planned anything. That's just what you do because it seems like the thing to do then. But you're selling yourself short if you do it just because, just because you felt like it. You got to make sure there is a reason for whenever you take Social Security benefits, whether it is 62, 65, 70 years old, whenever it is, there needs to be a reason. Well, the way you develop a reason is to put together a retirement income plan. That's what your retirement plan should be. Maybe you have retirement plans for what you're going to do in your retirement socially, personally. But then you have things that you want to address as far as income goes as well, so you have to plan on that. That's the part. The, the financial retirement plan has to fit all these things you want to do in your retirement. But the more income you have, the more likely you are to be able to take that and get the th- do the things you want to do. We're talking about Social Security mistakes that are made in retirement today on Truth and Planning, and I'm with my co-host, Gary Anderson, financial advisor of Anderson Advisors. And Gary, I think about a uh, family member in my immediate family, and uh, he turned 62, and he's worked a lot during his years, and he's worked a lot in construction, so Mm -hmm. he's worked hard all of those years. So I get the part about, you know, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Uh, I'm tired of waking up at four o'clock in the morning and work until eight o'clock and that and, you know, out in the hot sun and in the cold and all of that. So I get that part. But so when he turned 62, he took that retirement. But the simple math, what he's figuring out now is if let's say he had a million dollars in that Social Security bucket and he's going to take it over 25 years, he's going to get less over 25 years than if he took it over 15 years. Mm -hmm. Um, But the biggest thing that he's experienced is the first six, eight months was grand because he got to visit his grandkids on a regular basis. And now he has another grandkid and he gets on a regular basis. But after a while, he said, look, I'm kind of bored. He may have adequate income coming in, but he's like, I got to do something. 
he's one of those people that he can't just sit idly by and enjoy reading books and the newspaper and have a cup of coffee. Just not his. That's it's not just, what he does. Just not his, and he doesn't play golf, and you know, so there's only so much fishing and hunting you can do. So he's looking at going back to work. That additional income can now affect his Social Security. Right. Exactly. One thing he can do, Kevin, if it's within the first 12 months of getting Social Security, of starting that at age 62, Mm -hmm. he can do the Uh do-over. You actually can do a do-over. You can say, okay, I changed my mind. That was a mistake. That was a retirement mistake. I changed my mind. I'm going to go back to work. I want something to do. I'm going to be making enough money. I don't really need this Social Security I'm getting. You, For the first 12 months, you have to make a decision to stop it. You have to pay back what you have taken out of it, out of your savings, wherever you have that money. But then wait then until whenever you really want to retire. And then you could wait till age 70 if you wanted to. So do the do-over if you're within that 12-month period. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of people probably don't know about this. Matter of fact, most people don't know about this neat little tool. So you can take a mulligan. Well, exactly. All yeah. Right. But you're not being told this a whole lot, but it can mean a substantial, an exponential increase in your overall income throughout your lifetime from the day you retire and when you stop working and, and go into retirement completely, and then the day you die. You're mm-hmm. going to be able to get this. And another thing, Kevin, too, speaking of yourself, myself, is the reason I haven't started taking Social Security is, number one, I'm, I'm still in my working years, don't plan on leaving the business ever. Of course, sometime I will have to start taking Social Security. But I want to make as much, accumulate as much Social Security as I can for Betsy, for my wife. This is almost an income, in and of itself, as an income retirement plan for her in addition to her other income, her pension, her Social Security, things like that, her investment income, that makes sure that she's going to have a lot more income to choose from then. Is that if, if I had waited till 62, she wouldn't be getting that much if I die first. And we kind of make that assumption always that we're going to leave first, us guys do, because we tend to not really pay attention to things that we should be doing to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. during the years. But one thing we can do to take care of our spouse is to delay that Social Security income. I got a 9% pay raise last year in Social Security, and I don't even take it. I'm not even taking it. But I'm over age 62. Can I take it? <laughs> yeah. Here, Kevin, this belongs to you. <laughs> over age 62, and I got a pay raise. That was added to my Social Security benefits, even though it could be seven, eight years before I take it. So that's something to remember as well. Your spouse could probably use this money. So you're worth more dead than alive is what you're saying. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. That's pretty much it's a common assumption, but that's probably true. Um, but, Kevin, this is something that we want to make sure we do for people. And if you have questions on this, please pick up the phone and give us a call. At least be able to bounce things off of us. And you can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investments involves risk, including with potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. 
This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstances. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson nor Anderson Advisors is affiliated with Attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show. Mm-hmm.